just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. There's a fairly simple question that, in my experience, most Christians have actually a sort of tricky time answering. Um, and the question is simply, what happens when you die? Right? It's sort of this universal, it's a question prompted by universal human experience. When we see death, we think, well, what happens after that? Um, and I think most of us could sort of gesture in the right direction, right? The, the things that you hear generally as comforting statements at funerals, right? He's gone, you know, to be with the Lord, the nearer presence of the Lord, and that's certainly in the right direction. But the scripture actually says more than that. Uh, it actually gives us a more robust picture than just a general statement, um, and which gives us greater clarity, which I, I hope to unpack today. Um, now, I want to say it's certainly the case that there are many things which the Bible leaves mysterious, things which we just can't really fully know in this life. Like, for instance, the sort of great category of things is the problem of evil. There's things where we can read all the scriptures and soak it all in and do our best to do biblical theology. And at the end of the day, we're still left finally with, it's just up to the Lord. <laughs> like, we can't know really how to solve these things. Um, so there's certainly, and in that case, it is right to be humble about our knowledge, to say, well, we just, the Lord hasn't chosen to reveal in, in very specific terms why he has permitted this or that evil thing. But there's other things in the scriptures where the scripture actually is putting something down with some plainness. And if we use the same gesture, if we say, well, it's just a mystery, we're actually, the Lord's saying, yes, it, there are mysteries here, but, but I'm trying to make some pieces clear. And I think sometimes we, we step back from difficult questions too early. We actually ignore things which the Lord has said, here's some things I'd like you to know. And we are, oh, no, 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 it's a mystery. You just can't know. And the Lord's trying to say, no, you can know some of these things. Not, there are still many, many details left unknown about what happens after we die. But there are some things that we can know. And so I want to um, put those together today. We have, for instance, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So there's sort of a, an initial data point, which is the main thing we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, right when we die, there's a judgment. We have other scriptures besides uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. Right, that's where we get that language of being with the Lord. But then we also get other pictures of judgment, like the story of the sheep and the goats that Jesus tells, and the images of revelation and books being opened, and um, a clear teaching that the final judgment will be when the Lord comes again. We actually get that right here in, um, in Hebrews, at the, the next verse when Christ appears a second time, right, is, is connected with judgment in verse 28. So we have all these scriptures about sort of what happens after we die. And I think when we try and hold the, all the scriptures together, a picture emerges. Um, and to put some flesh on that picture, uh, an image has come to mind, which I want to offer to you as like a guiding metaphor for this whole sermon. Um, to think of heaven like a big house. Like a, whatever is the nicest southern mansion that you can think of. Like a big, glorious house. And I say southern because uh, I've noticed that a good southern house has a good porch out front. And this is actually really useful to think of as a picture. That 
the church on earth, this is like the porch of heaven. Right? Uh, when Paul says, now we see through a glass darkly, and then we'll see face to face. We're kind of looking, th- we could see through the windows, and we're definitely a part of the party. We are in the house. We have been welcomed and are welcomed to be on the property. Um, and the picture I want to give you is that when we die, um, one of two things happens. You can either be welcomed into the front doors of the mansion or kicked off the porch. Yeah. Um, that's the nature of judgment. If there was no judgment, a judgment wouldn't be needed. If everybody on the porch was getting into the house, there would be no need for a judgment. You're, it would have already happened. But the difficult teaching of the scriptures is that not everyone on the porch gets invited in. And here's where I think sometimes um, our language at funerals, for instance, can be unfortunately vague. But Jesus is pretty clear, so don't take it from me. Um, This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. It's a familiar passage to many of you. On that day, many will say to me, Lord. So they're calling Jesus Lord, right? The, The Christian confession, Jesus is Lord. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is not an isolated teaching. It's throughout the message of Jesus. Let me just skip a few chapters ahead. Matthew chapter 13, verse 47. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. Fishes of men, right? Gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. And note, this is a parable of the kingdom of God. Those who've heard the gospel, those who are in the church, will be separated as good fish and bad fish. These are pictures of the judgment. The particular judgment that that happens the moment we die. The criteria of the judgment will be faith and deeds of faith. One of the other alarming things as you keep reading the scriptures is that we're going to be judged according to our deeds. And I'm going to preach a sermon about that in a few weeks' time when it comes up again in the lectionary. But I'll say for now is sort of the thesis that they're the deeds of faith, the things that are evidence that you really believe, that you're not just saying Jesus is Lord, but then the Lord doesn't actually know us, but are actually living Jesus is Lord. The deeds of faith fall under two categories, really, repentance and love. Deeds of faith will be what are judged. And this life, every day that God gives us, now even, is a chance to use St. Peter's language to make our calling and election sure. We've all been invited up to the porch. Like we're all, every one of you is on the porch of heaven itself, already in relationship with God. Right? But just being in the church, being a Christian, um, is not a guarantee of entrance into heaven. We're still hoping and looking and longing for an entrance into heaven. That guarantee comes when the judgment is passed when we die. For now, we need to make our calling and election sure. Um, What that means is, 
this life is our chance to turn things around or to double down in the same direction. This is when things are malleable. I was trying to think of a picture for this. Um, do any of you guys see the Great British Baking Show? Have any of you seen that show? <laughs> so one of the things they're always doing is making caramel, right? And you're stirring sugar, and then all of a sudden there's this moment where it either turns to useless sugar crystals or delicious golden caramel. Um, for those of you who aren't into uh, British baking shows, uh, the same thing's true with house repair projects, right? When you're mixing plaster or any kind of mud, it's malleable for a while, and then all of a sudden it becomes hard and lumpy and you can't work with it anymore. And the moment of death is like that. All that's malleable and changing in this time and in God's mercy, we've probably all been through seasons of wandering from the Lord, but then he calls us back and we wander back, we come back to him and people we see come to their deathbeds. Our bishop, I was just with at Synod, he watched his father come to faith at 85, right? As long as we're alive, we're malleable, right? The sugar is still stirring, the plaster isn't set. But the moment we die, it's fixed. And will we be found in Christ or outside of Christ? Pursuing him or running away from him? It gets fixed. Um, one of the sort of, I think, sneaky lies the devil sort of brings into teaching and culture generally is the idea that there's sort of more chances after this life to come to God, and there's not. The scripture speaks nothing of that. It says actually that there's a judgment and that there, are, there is not a second chance. This is the life of second chances. A thousand chances in this life. But when we die, the, the, the flexible, the malleable season is over. It gets fixed. Our destiny um, commences. Um, that's the meaning, I think, of Hebrews chapter 9, 27, that when we die, we become forever either an object of God's increasing delight or an object of his wrath. Um, for those who, uh, as Hebrews says, that what Hebrews is, is writing to a congregation, and the writer, we think it's Paul, but it's not, the Bible doesn't say, but he, he says, as he's writing these strong words, he says, but I believe better things for you who he's speaking to. Like, we have every hope that because we have the Holy Spirit and all the grace and gifts of God, I have every hope that every one of us at the moment of our deaths will be invited into the house. So this isn't some sort of sword dangling over our heads. But it is a, a truth to keep, to keep in mind. For those who are welcomed into the house, going into the house will be much better than being on the porch. That's what Paul says in Philippians, right? He says, it would be better for me if I die, which is craziness in the world's eyes. No one would say it's better to die. But Paul, having such a spiritual vision, knows that to step into the house is going to be even better than the greatest joys that God's given us in this life. But what I want to offer, and um, you'll notice that we're coming into the season of Advent very soon, where we talk a lot about the second coming. I want to try and give this big picture. Stepping into the house is actually not the very last stage of our journey towards God. It's not the fullness of the joy that God has prepared for those who love him. <clears throat> when you step into a house, you come into the entrance room. Do you call it a foyer down here? Would you call the first room in a house a foyer? Yeah. Okay, I realized, I was like, is that a regional word? But um, you step into the foyer, right? And when you step into the foyer of heaven, the Lord, you get to see the Lord face to face, but he's there in the living room. 
there's actually, there's still another room to go into and you've got to take off your mud boots and your coat and all the stuff you needed while you're outside in order to then step into the living room. But while you're there, in this picture of kind of stepping into a house, Jesus himself stands up and comes to the edge of the living room. And that's a picture of the second coming. That there is a day in history. Who knows the year? Maybe it's the year 2019. Maybe it's the year 4019. We don't know. But on some particular day, the Lord will come back. And so whereas when we die, our souls are separated from our bodies, right? Our bodies go into the ground. Our soul steps through the door, gets to be in God's nearer presence, according to the mercies of his judgment. That's not the end. That's still waiting for the end, which is the last day of human history when the Lord comes again and the dead are raised. Souls will be, will be our souls, will be re-inhabited re in immortal bodies. This is the wild Christian claim, right? It's not just about the immortality of the soul. When we confess in the creed, the resurrection of the body, that souls temporarily separated from our bodies in some mysterious way, like how will God use the atoms that have long turned to dust? That's, we don't know the how. It's in the mind and the mystery of God. But we do know that the fullness of heaven, the new Jerusalem, stepping into the living room out of the foyer, will be when we get to do so in resurrected bodies, the same body that Jesus has right now, a resurrected body. So when we think of what happens right after we die, don't have that in your mind as sort of the very end game. Like, well, okay, then that's all over. They're still waiting for the fullness of joy when the Lord comes back to earth, all are raised, and then everything is laid bare and rewards are dished out, and it's this great cosmic judgment day. That's called the general judgment. Then we get to come into the living room in resurrected bodies to enjoy Father, Son, and Holy Spirit forever. That's fully coming in to the mansion which we are right now really standing on the porch on. Right? It's every bit real. We are truly citizens of heaven already. And we're still waiting the more full manifestation, the invitation through the door, and then ultimately the invitation into the living room in resurrected bodies at the last day. So dying is the second to last thing we'll do. The last thing is being raised. So keeping that in view, you see how there's sort of more three dimensions to that than sort of how we generally just speak about, oh, dying, gone to heaven. Like it's just this sort of, you know, accounting ledger, like stuff just kind of moved over without any human dimensionality. The scripture, when we put all the pictures together of the general judgment on the last day, the fact we're judged when we die, um, all these things, we get this really beautiful picture of the Lord's continuing work. It's why we thank God for the witness of the dead in our prayers on a Sunday. Because we don't believe they just sort of vanished into some ether somewhere. We believe their souls are in the foyer with God, awaiting the fullness of joy, just like we are. And so we thank God for their witness. And we believe that they are really fully alive in Christ Jesus. Right? I believe in the communion of saints. That's what that is. Um, so that's the main teaching point I want to get across, is that we think about things after the moment we die in those two stages, the foyer and the living room. Um, the hope of ending up in the living room in the end begins with the hope of being invited through the door. 
And I think what that should do is one of the things that you can't read more than a paragraph of the New Testament without encountering is this urging to be more earnest in our pursuit of the Lord, right? To make sure that we evidence ourselves as good fish in that story, right? The good fish being sorted from the bad, right? To ask daily, Lord, have mercy on me today. To never grow tired of that repentance. To continue to ask, Lord, sanctify me a bit more today in your mercy. Give me your strength. Guide me. Let me be more obedient to your will. Right? The, the things which are sort of the bread and butter of the whole Bible and every sermon. Um, this is the time in this transitory life, while things are malleable, to keep urging on in that direction um, so that we can have confidence. Right? The, the judgment of God is not a roll of the dice. If you have lived a life seeking Jesus, right? He says, seek and you will find. The condition is just seeking. It's not being the most incredible saint who ever lived. Is the, is, that's not the bar to get into heaven. The bar is seeking. It's saying, Lord, I, that's what I want. I want you to be my savior. I want your mercy in my life. Right? And, and the bad fish are those who aren't seeking or whose heart cools and, and then refuse, actually maybe even rejects, right? And until we die, our... We need to strive for what is the future of the rest of our mortal life. Because you've probably had friends who were Christians till they were 60, and then kind of their heart cooled and they turned their back. Or vice versa, heathens who at 60 realized they'd been living for the wrong things and turned to Christ, right? It's until our dying breath, right? We're just sugar being stirred. We haven't turned to caramel yet or, or to useless crystals. So when we think about um, death, and judgment, and the last day, if we're thinking about it rightly, it should s stir us on to live into the deeds of faith. So that's what we're going to be sort of, this is an introduction sermon for the next uh, seven weeks of pre-Advent and Advent, um, as we're going to be thinking a lot. We're going to be hearing a lot of readings about the second coming and being judged. And uh, I want to, all of the sermons it, um, and all the teaching to hold in view this this picture of this mansion, God's mansion, and to long to be received into those doors. And we know, this is again the whole message of Hebrews, that we have a merciful high priest. His desire is to welcome us through the door. We actually have to oppose him to not get welcomed. But he does give us the liberty to oppose him. So you can trust the host of the house, that he is urging you on and was throwing the doors open on that day but we still have to choose to be seeking him so that we might uh, enter into the fullness of joy on the last day. Amen.